Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we're back. <laughs> and this is your uh, podcast for April 7th, 2019. Bruce, how are you feeling? I am feeling much better, thank you. Good, good, good. We we uh, we we gave you a reprieve. Uh, initially, I regretted it because you don't you never deserve one. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we we finally got you after all the the, the handshaking and and uh, and uh, um, communion giving and uh, uh, interpersonal uh, uh, conversations over the past year. We finally got you sick. That's right. <laughs> all it took. Was a three-year-old sneezing in my mouth, <laughs> as they are wont to do. Oh, good lord! Uh, all right, uh, and, and she's all well now. That made me shudder. Uh, <laughs> well, we are glad that you are you are well, uh, and uh, and for the for for our listener one our one listener out there. Um, no, we we uh, we apologize for, for not having anything last week, but uh, uh, I'm not that smart to do it to hold down the fort myself. And uh, and and I didn't want to get sick for Bruce either, so uh, probably was uh, for the best. Uh, we did we did kind of miss some some fun readings, so oh, we I did. will I will uh, give a quick shout out to uh, uh, Deacon Kathy Scott who who did uh, the homily um, this past Sunday, and not to knock what we put up on our on our uh, um, po- uh, podcast channel. But uh, I really would direct people to watch the video instead that I put up on our YouTube channel, HFEC Videos on YouTube. As you do every week. Uh, and uh, because I was able to take her, she, she utilized a, a, a painting, an original painting from Rembrandt. And technically, she utilized the print. We are not insured for the original painting. Well, of the yes, building. that's true. We had it. We had it curated here at the no. Um, but we, I, I did put in. Um, uh, I did overlay the the, uh, the the images that she she utilized. It was a it was a fantastic use of uh, some multimedia. Really, uh, hey, good good on us for some multimedia use. And uh, but uh, it was it was a it was a fantastic uh, uh, homily. So I would I would encourage you. it. It's still worth a, a listen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but for the full effect, I would push uh, people towards the, uh, the the YouTube channel for that one, um, so that you can see the images that she's discussing as you go along. Um, we are broadcasting not live from uh, here at Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana, and uh, we are uh, getting ready. To, uh, this is what did, what did I say? April seventh. We're 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 almost to Holy Week. We're That's here. right. Last Sunday of Lent. Lent five. Our uh, your our 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 uh, time for uh, uh, solemn reflection and and hating ourselves is almost <laughs> over. <laughs> As it is every day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we are constantly being freed of that and going right back to it. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, since this is our last podcast in Lent, this is my last uh, uh, Lenten underwriter uh, for for our podcast. So, uh, today's podcast is underwritten by Holy Family's uh, patent pending Lenten calendar. Every year, it's the same old thing. Fat Tuesday comes, then Ash Wednesday, and you don't know what to give up for Lent, so you choose chocolate and call it a season. Why not change things up and surrender yourself to a higher power? That higher power? Us. Right here at Holy Family. Our patent pending, like I said, Lenten calendar is essentially an Advent calendar, but for Lent. Each day brings a new and surprising challenge for your walk and devotion with your Creator. We start things out with Ash Wednesday's edict, Go to Church. Fitting, right? 
As you work your way through the 40 days of Lent, every day brings a new practice to add or subtract from your life that day. The Lenten calendar holds tried-and-true standards like no caffeine and no alcohol, while mixing in some new ones you never would have considered, like no deodorant, <laughs> walk to work, and trim your neighbor's tree when he's not home. Remember, the goal is to reflect on your life and your relationship with God as while you prepare for Easter, and what better time to reflect on your life than while you wait for arraignment after having followed through on our no-close day recommendation. Holy Family's Lenten calendar, it'll make for a Lent you'll never forget, guaranteed. And please do not have a no deodorant on a Sunday. <laughs> We'd have to break out the incense, and people just wouldn't be ready for that. Uh, uh, now I'm going to add a uh, sneeze into the rector's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Give that up for Lent. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh, and I had actually talked to you about this. It, it would be kind of fun, all those Weird, yeah. uh, arresty, uh, uh, warranted uh, <laughs> things uh, aside, it would be kind of fun to do uh, kind of a Lenten calendar uh, of like, uh, yeah, do something different that day and and try to remind yourself uh, to to either like I said add or subtract something. A lot of people have the tendency to subtract in Lent right. and Lent and and withdraw something from from their daily practice, but sometimes it's like, hey, you know, pray at ten and two, right? You know, or you know, do this random act of kindness or. Yeah. There are a lot of folks who during Lent, um, or at least I guess I should say a lot of folks have told me about it. it uh, uh, adding prayers at lunchtime. Yeah. That, um, uh, in the book of common prayer for the Episcopal church, there's a, a very brief little devotional for, um, noontime, which people find very moving. And so do that during Lent can do yeah. it at their workplace quite easily and subtly. And Noon find prayers, it Bruce. Really, I mean, you know, I we pray when we eat, we pray when we go to bed. But we really need to. No, I no, I actually do like that. The the the, the added discipline is, is is kind of kind of nice. It puts you into a traditional mindset too. It's, well, and it's over a reset, perhaps in the middle of a difficult day. Yeah. Though one person said the biggest reason that he kept doing it was it timed out well to miss the line in the cafeteria. <laughs> you know what? God works in mysterious That's ways. Right. <laughs> And he knew he knew he didn't want to talk to Betty in accounting. Right. And, and, uh, <laughs> he could just yeah, just say some prayers, whip through the line, <laughs> eat his lunch. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into our our last our fifth Sunday in Lent. Oh, these mm -hmm. are our last uh, Lenten readings, and then we're on to I don't know some sort of historical religious <laughs> event of some sort uh, after that Holy Week. <laughs> So we start here uh, this week with Isaiah 43, verses 16 through 21. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The, wild, the wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to drink, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, so that they may declare my praise. So, uh, 
Okay, there we go. I was reading, I was rereading that in good train. It starts off with thus says the Lord, and then there's a whole bunch of like I was trying to re remind myself, what did the Lord actually say in this line? Because it's mm -hmm. like, oh, he who he who does this and he of right. that. And, <clears throat> so do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. Um, and and goes on to say, like, I'm gonna do something something new. Um, is there like what is what is the new thing? Because he, he it doesn't. It, doesn't, two, doesn't quite go into great detail right. as to what that is. There are two levels here. Mm -hmm. on the, the Actually, there are at least two and a half, maybe three or four, five, six, eight. There are ten levels. There are lots of levels. <laughs> that's, that's really the beauty, one of the many parts of the beauty of the Hebrew Scriptures of the Old Testament is there's layers upon layers, um, even more so than the New Testament. So this is a, a passage that is proclaimed by... Isaiah, as the um, captured Israelites are being freed from Babylon, mm -hmm. the ba Babylonians were conquered by the Persians, they're, so their empire's gone, mm -hmm. and the Persians' reaction to all these people, the Babylonians had captive, or at least the Israelites, were, yeah, get out of here. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't need you anymore. And so the first layer of this is a promise that they are going to go home now mm. and that as they go home god is walking with them because that of course is always the question when you ever go on a journey is am i going the right way am i walking with god mm -hmm. is this what i'm supposed to be doing so this is first of all a reassurance from god of you are doing the right thing and it harkens back to the exodus out of egypt hundreds of years before mm -hmm. when they were freed from the egyptians the other thing that's happening here for Christians is that this passage is associated with the Jesus event mm. of God breaking into history in this whole new way mm -hmm. of God walking among us as a human being, and hence these new things right. that are referred to here. But then the third or two and a half level is in the Hebrew Unlike in the English translations, usually, the verbs used are ongoing verbs. Mm. So verbs that are often translated either as past or future, depending on the perspective of the translator, mm -hmm. really are ongoing. So God is constantly doing a new thing, and it's not a single event. And so it's supposed to take us from at the time of the Israelites being freed from Pharaoh in Egypt mm -hmm. through the time of being freed from the now collapsed Babylonian empire through the rest of history. Hmm. That God is constantly doing a new thing. It's one of those fascinating grammatical um, tricks that doesn't survive usually in English. Hmm. Uh, so, and, 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 a, and a reminder of like, you know, don't, don't pay don't don't worry about what's in the past it's, yep this is a very forward-thinking you know uh, um uh, conversation here where we're you know um and, and which which is kind of interesting because uh um normally when the way the verse starts off normally when you're going to go in this litany list of 
who the Lord is, which is essentially mm -hmm. what happens. Thus says right. the Lord, and this is who the Lord is. Remember who you know, God is. Yeah. Who makes a way in the, in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. Usually it's kind of this litany list of like the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, mm -hmm. the God of your forefathers, blah, 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 blah. And in this verse, uh, it really takes a completely different tactic that I, I don't know as if I, I, I see very often where it's like, you know, thus says the Lord and the Lord does you know, who controls this and who, who, uh, um, who, uh, it, it's definitely evoking that imagery of coming out of Egypt. Right. But it doesn't go into that necessarily that, that same feel of, you know, um, permanence in, in prior history. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, list names of kings and right you know right. it doesn't have to be gats in it or yeah anything. exactly exactly uh so i find that kind of interesting <clears> because <throat> it's a different way that 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 god is is necessarily kind of referred to the lord's referred to here and that kind of sets it up for that forward thinking right and it <clears throat> excuse me it's some weeks back we had the self-revelation by god to moses that god is the great i am right the, the, the active verb of to be and this harkens back to that kind of theological construct hmm. mm -hmm. that we can't put God into a box and say, these are the qualities of God. These are mm -hmm. the people who God has blessed. But instead it goes back to that God as an active verb. Right. And in constant action in constant right. intervention in our lives. And yes, it harkens back to the Egyptian events, but using a, a grammatical construction so that we know that that, those were not one-time things. Right, right, That's right. the way in which God wants to interact with us forever and ever. Right. And the other thing is that this is a poem. I, I okay. should have started with that. That this is most of um, chapter forty-three and into forty-four is a poem. Hmm. And so there, there are different rules. Sure. That sure. One uh, gets to use. It's not exactly poetry. iambic pentameter, but 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 not it, far it, from it. But it's not. Yeah. Okay. All right. But yeah, so it's not designed to be an uh, encyclopedia entry, though. I guess to update, I should say a Wikipedia entry. Right, right, right. No <laughs> one uses those those things yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so it 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 gets to play with language in a way that um, a straight out uh, oratory or non nonfiction mm -hmm. written document would not be allowed to do and be seen as credible. Hmm. Very cool. I don't think I have anything more on Isaiah. Should we move? Yeah. On? Sure. I like that though. I, I I'm gonna we're gonna have to go back and and read 43 and 44. Oh, it's that's a great a, one to read a poem in an entirety. As with most Sunday readings, we only get a little glimpse of what the chapter is getting right. at. Right. And there's so much there, and it's just so beautifully written. So the second reading is Philippians chapter three, verse four b through fourteen. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own 
that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, I'm, okay, I read that word uh, in his death, <laughs> if, if I may, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have ob already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies beneath, behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. So again, another don't look backwards, I look forward kind of a, kind of a statement here. Uh, uh, book to the Philippians is written by... It's written by Paul. This one's by Paul. <laughs> I think, we've, I think we've had that before, but yeah. and probably, now I'm gun-shy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> but you can kind of tell a little bit in the way that the style is, is yeah. kind of done. It, since it, we've been diving into these week after week, mm -hmm. uh, even in the English, you can pick up, yeah, this this sounds like yeah. Paul. And some of it is the uh, sort of run-on sentence. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 which is hence, hence why I read it poorly. Uh, that's that's it's it. It's difficult. Not, not my... Uh, not my uh, my, my, my reading skills. I would never blame myself for that. <laughs> um, he has a weird way of identifying himself in the front uh, front end of this scripture. I'm not entirely sure I would, uh, or this passage. I wouldn't, not entirely sure I would identify myself in such a, in such a manner. Um, um, but the verse five is like, is his credentials. So he right. had like God's credentials in the first one, and that was beautiful and poetic and. And uh, I don't know as if I would in ever introduce myself as like, uh, "Hi, I'm Ben, circumcised on the eighth day, <laughs> a member of the people of Israel." I mean, that was that was a that's a very interesting. Uh, why is that? Like, that's his business card in this in this verse. Yeah, I guess why. You're right. Why is it structured that way? Do you have any idea, or do you have any thoughts as to oh, like sure. why he would be like, "Here's my card, and uh, this is about me." And then, uh, but because uh, in verse six, I'm not even letting you talk here, but in like verse six, he, uh, he gets into kind of more the, uh, what I would consider more the meat and potatoes of, of his point, which is, you know, I didn't come from a perfect background. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I persecuted the church and, and, um, righteousness under law i was still held blameless but uh but you know this so he starts to kind of set himself up in a, in a more meaningful way later but um, well but that's it's all one piece though okay that, this is that run-on sentence that this is the run-on <laughs> sentence but part of it is that as he often does in his letters he's setting up his credentials we heard those in the letters to the corinthians mm -hmm. and that's places like that where he really is laying out that he has every credential within the Jewish culture and community that you could ask for mm -hmm. from soup to nuts, so to speak. <laughs> and so he is trying to say, look, I, I really did have all the status anyone could want. Right. <clears throat> and if you go on to look at, uh, verse 8, he says, I regard them as rubbish. Mm -hmm. um, hearing that word rubbish, you may think that's kind of odd for an American. That's Bible very English. Teacher. That's very exactly. English of him. 
And I haven't gone back to check. My bet is that was the King James translation mm-hmm. word originally, mm-hmm. because in today's vernacular, uh, and I'll, I'll try to be gentle with this, mm-hmm. it really should be translated as poo. Mm. That okay, and and human poo. I got you. That the the word there is a word for excrement. Interesting, it's because uh, man. So all the all of these are man made accolades that are essentially worthless. So that I don't know if he goes so far as to say they're man made, but he would say that they are all worthless com- compared to the mm-hmm. ex- the experience and following of Jesus Christ. Okay, that um, because one of the things we tend to do is be all A or B, and right. so Paul's. Not of a, he's more nuanced than that. Okay, and so he's not trying to say that his Jewish background's bad. He's he's really is trying to say, yeah, this was great. This was this helped me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But once I experienced Christ, even though it's still good, that old stuff, it's worthless mm-hmm. in comparison. Right. Um, so if you're we're saying A and B, we said, oh, never be A, always be B. But. Uh, there's this dimension of Paul that he recognizes throughout his writings where part of his journey was going through those things. Mm-hmm. And while he's, um, you know, he has deep regret for being a persecutor of right. Christians, it's still part of how he got to where he is in walking with Christ. That's an important, that's an important uh, uh point there is is uh i think a lot of times it, we do we do the same kind of a thing like mm-hmm. oh i really you know really wish this kind of thing and maybe didn't happen and sometimes not that the, all bad and the things that that occur in your life do have that silver lining or, right. or, or you know but but uh i think a lot of times like as you start to think about it like oh but there's like you know this is if that hadn't happened then this wouldn't be true right and i wouldn't you know i wouldn't wish for that to be the case and you know uh, uh i and i think specifically of, of sometimes like uh um um you know there's there's you know divorced family members uh in your family and you're like oh you know that that was that was a terrible mistake but, but look perhaps at the the children you have as as a result and right wish that that were you know or wish that that were the not the case and and mm-hmm. that they weren't there so uh there's there's a there's a that's an interesting point that for Paul without that um, without that persecution of the church his you know his experience with Christ would have been irrevocably altered right uh, to the point where maybe it would not have been as meaningful for for him and he would not have been as zealous for Christ as 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 he ended up be, becoming so well and the other dimension of course is it's not just Paul who's affected by all this but sure. Here we are some 2,000 years later. This was written around the year 60, uh, being able to reflect on Paul's life. Mm-hmm. And so that for you know, ever since this letter started to be passed around, uh, around the year 60, people were able to say, you know, I never actually killed anyone else or persecuted someone else. So mm-hmm. maybe Christ will accept me since Christ accepted Paul mm-hmm. and even sought out Paul. Right. That there's this this role model in Paul that has given hope to countless human beings sure. through the centuries. And so, again, while Paul's not at all proud of uh, being someone who was 
a persecutor of the church, to use the phrase from verse 6 here, it is something that has made a huge effect on people's spiritual walks mm -hmm. through the centuries. Yeah. Um, seeing how he lived and yet uh, was able to become one of the great Christians in history. Yeah. So, um, and he also kind of points out, like, look, I, uh, I don't do this because I believe that, you know, um, resurrection from the dead has been promised to me. I do this because, uh, um, um, you know, I work, work for that heavenly goal. I don't, I don't, he kind of goes out of his way to say like, I, I do not doing this expecting to follow the exact path that Christ took. Mm -hmm. Um, I, in fact, I think he almost implies like, don't expect that to happen. Right. When I die, <laughs> that's probably going to be it. <laughs> uh, and I, and I do all this not so that I can uh, be resurrected and counted as equal, but because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working towards that heavenly goal of, of right. spending eternity with, with my creator. So. Well, and, and one of the things we may forget sometimes is that particularly at <clears throat> the time that Paul was writing, there is a great deal of growing anxiety about when what we now call the second coming was going to occur. Mm -hmm. And when Christ was first um, walking the earth as a resurrected form and the early church was forming, there was a belief because of a couple things that Jesus said that people who were alive and becoming followers of Christ would experience the permanent new life now mm -hmm. and that no one would die any mm -hmm. longer. The, the world would end. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously that didn't happen. And the realization that they had to, to see things differently was beginning to be talked about and dealt with in the, t in the time of Paul. And by the time the gospels were written down a decade or two later, then it was in full flower of, you know, Life's going to go on for quite a while on Earth, and we have to figure out a way to deal right. with that. So you that's can't. part of what Paul was referring to. Okay, yeah, is, you can't you can't count on this to happen and and avoid <laughs> physical death. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. interesting. Yeah, that would be a very interesting phenomenon to to try to wrap your head around and and uh, even combat as a as as the early church of like, oh well, you know, he's coming back. Right. Any minute now. Like, well, and that was, what we do here doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. In the um, 1970s, uh, there was a huge influx of what was called the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. And different from how it's used today, that terminology. And it was uh, grew out of the countercultural movement of mm -hmm. um, the hippies and the wonderful music and all that stuff. But... There, out of that came some bad expressions, including a number of groups that believed the second coming was very, very soon. Mm. And so I, I was aware of one where I was living in California. I was a teenager at the time, but heard about it. Well, people were trying to recruit me into it, as they were any teenager in right, California. Right. That one of the things they asked everyone to do was get as many credit cards as you can, live off those, give all your cash to the pastor, because the second coming was going to occur before you had to pay off your credit cards. 
and so it ruined. So which bank did they work for? <laughs> yeah, sounds, I won't name a bank, but yeah, it sounds like a scheme put, yeah, put forward yeah. by a bank now. But it was just a scheme put forward by a, right. a proclaiming Christian. You might as well buy this $700 vacuum cleaner because yeah. God's coming back and you're not going to have to pay for it. Yeah, get to enjoy it for a few weeks. and It's a good... That's yeah, a, that, that's a good uh, uh, sales pitch, I suppose. Yeah, and and maybe that that group got some kids off drugs or something. Maybe they, you know, I'm not going to judge. Um, yeah, but then they're bankrupt and homeless. But, but. <laughs> I was going to say, but I do. A couple of people I knew who were in it took years to restore their finances to any state of health. Huh? Uh, as the old Monty Python line goes, they got better, <laughs> but. <laughs> It, they found themselves digging out of that financial hole for probably a good 10 years at least. I'm feeling better. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. So I won't turn this into the Monty Python right. show because uh, they're funny and I'm not. Uh, John, then, chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put in it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Um, I think part of this verse or the scripture here is... Uh, fairly well known, you know the 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 anointing of the feet and, and wiping it with her with her hair uh, is a story that appears in more than one gospel. Yes, yes, it actually occurs in slightly different forms in all four gospels. Oh, is it all four? Okay, yeah. Um, in Matthew and Mark, it occurs very much in this same form as in John. But uh, Mary is not named as the person doing it. Mm -hmm. And then in Luke, it also the, the woman's not named, but she's given the, um, the quality of being a woman who was a public notorious sinner. Mm -hmm. And it took place in a Pharisee's house rather than in Bethany, as in the other three Gospels. Okay. And so... Uh, yeah, do they all identify like the home of Lazarus? Because this oh, is... that's the other interesting thing. Yeah, is in Matthew and Mark, it is at the home of Simon the leper. Interesting. And in Luke, it's a Pharisee. So there are hmm. three different locations that hmm. are noted, and and part of the uh, argument can 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 be made that was three different occasions. Okay, that it was not necessarily one. If if one needs to preserve wouldn't eh, well okay. i think it's a stretch though. yeah I, I was gonna say like wouldn't wouldn't your disciples be like dude jesus what's the deal yeah. with these women wiping their your feet with their hair and with perfume? expensive this is the third time now are they you kidding Judas, me? quit complaining right 
<laughs> Learn your lesson, for goodness sakes. Uh, uh, yeah, well, it's it's one of those things. Uh, uh, I was going to be uh, uh, tongue in cheek about it, but the, it's one of those things that the the it, it's interesting that things like these these discrepancies are sometimes pointed to uh, when making an argument that you know obviously then the Bible is historically you know inaccurate and you should right, discard. Yeah, yeah well. you should just, you discard all that. And and uh, it, it's actually at least to me uh, uh, one of those indicators of of like you know hey look things like this are are never perfect and uh, these discrepancies actually uh, sometimes more highlight different things like the point that the uh, writer is trying to make right and you know sometimes settings make for an interesting so it's not these mm -hmm. these have, I don't I don't think it's fair to to say like the gospels are specifically designed to be historically accurate documents they have a point the authors have a right. point that they're trying to make they're in trying each to one. transmit truth right. rather than facts and probably since they get written after the fact uh, uh, Maybe they don't really remember where they were. I know I wouldn't remember. Like I, I would remember. That's possible. I would focus on like, yeah, it was weird. She, you know, she wiped it up with her hair, and then Judas said this thing, and they're like, "Where were you?" And I'm like, I don't know, a rally. Or, <laughs> I don't, I don't really remember. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, and I, I think there's a fascinating dynamic around around those very. Um, dimensions that you mentioned that in the gospel of john the, the reading for this sunday mm -hmm. we can easily forget what a star lazarus is in that gospel mm -hmm. i mean most people who are christians and many who aren't even perhaps are aware of the lazarus being raised from the dead it's right. part of our our commons um speech of yeah it's like lazarus being raised from the dead what's going on here but Reading the Gospel of John, it seems pretty clear that from context that Lazarus was a star within the Christian community that John was part of. Mm -hmm. And it may have been one of those things where, yeah, we all remember Lazarus. He used to come here and preach or mm -hmm. something like that. But it's to the extent where um, shortly after this passage for this Sunday ends, Lazarus is actually sought after to be killed. Mm. Um, by the people who disagreed with Jesus so that there wouldn't be this living proof of Jesus's power. Yeah, okay. And various other ways that Lazarus appears again and again mm -hmm. um, in the Gospel of John only. And so that that's kind of interesting that, or more than kind of, that John has this whole Lazarus narrative and um, sequence that's totally absent in the mm -hmm. other three Gospels. So that's part of what, uh, John is dealing with with Matthew and Mark they put it at Simon the leper's home which is someone that Jesus healed so there's mm -hmm. a similar dynamic there so in that way the gospel of John isn't stretching the truth but has the uh, similar point and so it's quite possible that in Matthew and Mark's communities everyone knew Simon the leper Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, Simon, he used to come and preach here. We remember him. Right, right. Oh, okay. This is when that <laughs> Using took place. a common tie to the, to, to the people that they intended to be the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And then in Luke, the Pharisees repeatedly are the characters who almost get it, but not quite. They're mm -hmm. not the opposition, as in the other Gospels. And so they get a, a, the location of Jesus, of this event with Jesus, and the speaking roles. Um one thing I, I do want to point out, separate from these issues, 
is that laziness in the church mm-hmm. has made this character in many people's minds inaccurately as Mary Magdalene. Oh, okay. And it's part of the construct of A plus B equals Z that um, at the, the best you can say is lazy biblical scholars. The worst you can say is very sexist biblical scholars centuries and centuries and centuries ago laid out to discredit Mary Magdalene by making her a prostitute. Mm-hmm. This is the, the connecting passage that those scholars use to say, well, Mary Magdalene may have been the first witness to the resurrection, but we have to remember she started as a prostitute mm-hmm. because here's Mary anointing Jesus's feet mm-hmm. right here in John. And it says over here, in Luke, that she was a prostitute, the mm. woman doing that. And so, therefore, Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Whereas, in the scriptures, Mary Magdalene's repeatedly um, described as someone whom Jesus healed of demons, mm-hmm. um, of illness, rather than someone of uh, poor behavior or right. character. Right. Um, so, if you ever hear um, stories, which you're likely to, of Mary Magdalene being a prostitute. This is how that fallacy was developed. Interesting. Misusing the scriptures. And in fact, there are at least three Marys who are distinct mentioned in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and then Mary and Martha. And this is one of those Marys. Hmm. The sisters, Mary and Martha, mm-hmm. who were the sisters of Lazarus. And that's where this takes place Interesting. in the Gospel of John. Interesting. Yeah, we don't we don't uh, we don't we don't get to delve uh, very much into uh, the 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 women of the Gospels. Uh, it's very men centric, um, right? Uh, and uh, um, which is partially societal and partially uh, um, just you know the way the way it was at the time and what we've chosen to focus on eons yeah. <laughs> afterwards. But but, uh, but if we read the literature of that day mm-hmm. and then read the Gospels, we'll say, man, there are a lot of women in here. Mm-hmm. Because compared to Hebrew, Greek, and Roman writings of that time, the Gospels have women in the main character roles much more frequently right. than anyone would expect. Right. So when I ask about, um, I want to ask about Judas Iscariot here, though, okay. real quick. Because uh, um, <coughs> uh, the, 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 the verses here go out, like, out of their way to paint him in, in extra poor light. Mm-hmm. Not just in what he says, uh, uh, but, you know, there is that little narrative uh, 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 tag that they add on there. This, he's the one who was about to betray Jesus. Don't forget. Right. Like, you know, just as <laughs> a reminder. Uh, and then uh, two verses later, it's uh, to explain, like, his question about giving money to the poor. Instead, it's not because he cared about the poor. It's because he was in control of quote unquote, the common purse, which if I'm not mistaken, was kind of like the, if you give, uh, um, uh, if you give money, that's the common purse is the one that gets directed towards, uh, you know, those who need it and the, and, and the poor. Is that the, is that the case or actually, um, <clears throat> actually probably what it was, it was somewhat that I'm sure, mm-hmm. but also it was literally to pay for the daily needs of oh, okay. the, the followers of Jesus. Okay. And so, it goes out of its way to say he stole from it. Right. He was an embezzler. Yeah, um, is that do you in, in in what you've read and 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 what you've uh, uh, preached on over the years? Is this a uh, uh, 
kind of like a factually accurate uh, insertion, or is this uh, uh, an, an insertion that is designed to build up build up that characterization uh, of you know, oh you know Judas Iscariot, boo, and 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 you know he's the he's the villain in all this, and and you know Jesus is the the the, the hero. Uh, is is it that extra added narrative to to drive that wedge, or uh, was he really always this? Uh, this uh, deeply flawed individual, uh, do, do you find? We don't know. We don't know. And that's, there's many, many people have said that one of the challenges of the gospel is that Judas is such a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. And and John has chosen to portray G- Judas um, from the very first mentions of him, really, mm-hmm. as a slippery fellow, to put it lightly. Right. And yeah, as we get closer to the passion, he's, whenever he's mentioned, it's with a, a negative description. Yeah, it kind of feels like one of those, uh, I, I don't want to uh, make a direct comparison, but what is it, the, the uh, uh, like a puppet play or something where like the bad guy comes out and you play the villainous music. Yeah, and like, yeah. You know, and it's like, boo, yeah. oh, you know. And, and John's very much chosen to construct his gospel mm-hmm. in that way to, to and and there's and that could be what's true that could, could be, be historically accurate and certainly that's accurate I think let me step back a bit Judas is one of those people that as a as a biblical example can be a cautionary tale to any human being mm-hmm. and so there there's the capacity for anyone to be Judas and there's the capacity for anyone to be Mary Magdalene Mm-hmm. The, the first witness to the resurrection. There's capacity for anyone to be Peter or any of the human characters within the Bible at any given time. So with Judas, the portrayals of, of how he acted and why he acted are captivating and fascinating to many humans. And John takes the perspective that you know, he was sort of bad through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was embezzling the money that was for the poor and for paying their the meager needs of the followers of Jesus, um, that he was willing to betray Jesus uh, financially. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's that hanging question over history that we cannot answer, at least in, in this existence, of if Judas had decided not to betray Jesus, what would have happened? Right. And we just don't know. Right. Um, and obviously God would have worked through things one way or another, but we just don't know. Hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why he's so fascinating. He's a pivotal figure. Mm-hmm. He's the climactic figure in many ways within the um, earthly life of Jesus. And we just don't know a lot about him. Hmm. One, of, one theory, for instance, is because he's called Judas the Zealot, is that zealots were political revolutionaries at that time. Okay. They were trying to overthrow Rome. Mm-hmm. And um, this is implied, frankly, best probably in Jesus Christ Superstar, where... A, a, a historical document. You know, I'm aware <laughs> of it. Sure. Where, at, at least in one of the songs, Judas was um, refers to overthrowing the Romans through the leadership of Jesus mm-hmm. and the miraculous powers of Jesus and restoring the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of God on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there there are some who have written poetry, uh, for instance, I can't remember who it was, 
that Judas fully anticipated that once Jesus was erected, was arrested, mm-hmm. then that would force Jesus to play the king card and uh-huh. would wipe out the Romans and the oppressors and ta-da, the Messiah reigns. An interesting point of view. Yeah. That, and that, instead, Jesus... Look, I'm trying to bring about the kingdom of God. Yeah. In, in the way that I assume that it's going to happen. And, and so the... Huh. And so when Judas does not see that happen, and instead sees the torture of Jesus ongoing, mm. his reaction is to commit suicide. Right. Um, and again, all sorts of poetry and prose mm. written about why he did that. But um, what we know as the readers of the Gospels is he then misses out on the resurrect on witnessing the resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. and therefore seeing how things did happen in a way that he couldn't that Judas could not have anticipated, but were even better than being king of that little territory right. um, in Israel. Or who knows, maybe maybe that maybe he's one of those that, that wasn't what he wanted or would And he not maybe have still good. would have been disappointed. Yeah. 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 yeah, I wanted to be free from the Roman, you yeah. know, oversight, and... or I wanted to be in a palace with yeah. you on the throne. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly that's again. Judas is a fascinating figure, mm-hmm. um, and certainly a um, not a go and do likewise figure, right? But helps us perhaps examine our go conscience. and betray your your oh. Lord the Savior. <laughs> <laughs> but helps us perhaps keep ourselves on track by. Uh, giving ourselves a, a figure to help us reflect on our own motivations and perspectives mm-hmm. um, with the major one going back to John. I'm sorry, going back to Paul's letter of making sure that we're walking the way of Christ right. rather than our own goals and desires. That's a very good point. Way to, way to sew it back all together. Thank you. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like you do this for a living. Um, At least occasionally. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate you uh, you all joining us uh, for this uh, podcast for April 7th, uh, 2019. We will uh, please feel free to come and see uh, uh, what uh, what interesting uh, um, points of view are drawn from these passages and 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 molded together into a into a sermon. Uh, our our services are at eight and at ten. Uh, as always, you can always uh, submit questions to uh, shortcut at hfec.org. Right. Uh, and uh, but otherwise, we will we will talk to you next week, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you later. I've been Ben, and I'm still Bruce, <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Bye bye bye.